past week, I got to spend uh, the week down in Nashville at the annual Christian Church Conference. It used to be called the North American Christian Convention. Now it's called the Spire Conference. And we had a good time hanging out with about 1,500 of uh, other preachers and ministers and various folks that work around the church in Christian churches and churches of Christ. And it was a good time. And while I was there at the Opryland, Gaylord Opryland Hotel, I I just thought about how nice that was and how convenient everything was. The conference was right there. I didn't hardly have to drive my truck except to go out and eat, and uh, it was just really convenient. Uh, there was an article that I read called The Quest for Convenience. And in this article, it gave uh, actual responses from comment cards to the staff at a place called Bridger wilderness area. This is from 1996. Here's some of the comments that the people made. The trail needs to be wider so people can walk while holding hands. Trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. Too many bugs and leeches and spiders and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid the areas of these pests. Call Orkin, I guess. Uh, please pave the trails so they can be snow plowed during the winter. Or how about this one? The chairlift needs to be in some places so that we can get to wonderful views without having to hike to them. A small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there any way I can get reimbursed? Escalators would help on steep uphill sections. Yeah, let's just install an escalator out on the trail. And my favorite one of all, a McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. You know, some people are just looking, you know, even when they're out in the wilderness, they're looking for convenience. We live in this convenience-crazed world. But, you know, sometimes uh, even in church, People want to make it all about their convenience. They want to make it about them. But you know, if you read the Bible, it points to us caring more about everybody else than caring about ourselves. To, to making things better for others. Some churches, I would think, rather than call it a church service, S-E-R-V-I-C-E, they should call it a church serve S-E-R-V-E, us, U-S. Because people want to make it all about them. We're going through this, this uh, series called Disciple. And in this series, we're talking about what a, a genuine, devoted disciple of Jesus Christ looks like. How they behave, how they act. And we've been going through several topics as we go through this. We've talked about the fact that Jesus wants devoted disciples and that he wants those disciples to worship together, to come together for worship. He wants those disciples to grow spiritually. And today we're going to pick up on this idea that Christ wants his disciples to serve humbly. He wants them to look to other folks and to serve them. You know, we started out, talking about the commitment to follow Christ. And Jesus said, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. 
And so that's part of this worshiping together, growing spiritually, and today serving humbly. And the question I raise is, how should I understand my place in the church? Well, before we can understand our place, we have to understand what the church is. Colossians 1.18 said, He is the head, that is Christ, of the body, the church. Ephesians 5.23 says, Christ is the head of the church, His body. So the, the, the church is the body of Christ. And look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 12.27, Now you are part of the body of Christ, and each one of you has a part in it. We all have a part in making the church what it's supposed to be. William Temple, in the 19th century, a, a church leader, said the church is the only cooperative society in the world that exists for the benefit of its non-members. And that's a big part of what the church is about, to reach out to people that don't belong to it and to serve them. And to do that, we have to be a healthy body. You know, a healthy body is active, it's growing, it's, it's vibrant. I don't think Christ planned to have a sick body. Now, there may be some people within the church that are physically sick or mentally sick or even spiritually sick. But where there is unity and we pull together as one body and we serve one another, grace covers over a whole lot of weakness. Today I want you to think about your place in the body of Christ as we go through this message called Serve Humbly. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. If you have a Bible there, there's a pew Bible, page uh, 920 in the pew Bible. Paul begins that chapter of Romans 12 by saying, in view of God's mercy, in other words, in view of the fact that God has saved you, we should offer our bodies, he says, as living sacrifice. A living sacrifice as opposed to the dead sacrifices that, that God's people made in the Old Testament. What is a, a living sacrifice? It is a person who is alive, who is willing to serve God in a living way. And he goes on to talk about the fact that they should break from the formation that the world has put us in, that serve us mentality. I call it the Burger King mentality. You know, Burger King says, have it your way. I think we need a Christ King mentality that says, let us serve others. Have it His way. Have it God's way. With Christ as our king mentality, we are transformed, it says, to do God's will. Then Paul says this in verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, let's stop right there. Paul's saying, make an honest assessment of yourselves. He did. He says, by the grace given me, that is the gift, the, the assignment of the Lord, he had been called to be an apostle, to go and spread the gospel. He traveled all over the known world at that time to establish churches and lead people, often in the face of trouble and and hardship. 
despite the fact that he had previously persecuted the church, God had called him now to go and, and take that gospel message all over the world. And he had become a leader in the church. He says, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to. That would be conforming to the pattern of the world, as he talks about in verse 2. Don't make it about me when I come to church. Don't say, I want it my way. I don't care what everybody else wants. Rather, think about what is best for the church. What's best long term? What is, how do I follow the leaders of the church to, to make the church a vibrant place for others to come to? Paul says, think with sober judgment. That means honest judgment of yourself. What is your motive? Is it my will or is it God's will? And he says, in accordance with the faith God has given you. They're probably not talking about saving faith, but rather the faith, the, the confidence that you have in the gift that he's given you to use to serve him. Back in the 1940s, there was a man named Irving Oles. He was the chairman of the board of U.S. Steel Corporation, a rather large corporation in that day. And he went to a meeting one day, and he was met by this angry stockholder lady, hands on her hips. Well, who are you, and what is your job, she said. He said, ma'am, I'm the chairman of the board, which really amounts to not much more than being a piece of parsley on a plate of fish. He was humble. He knew his place in the corporation, but he didn't want to lord it over anybody. You know, I love to, to think about John the Baptist. And, man, he was so popular in his day. And he's out front preaching and teaching and hundreds of people coming to him. And yet when Jesus came on the scene, John said, he must become greater, I must become less. And he stepped aside. I think about the Apostle Paul and being called by Jesus personally to go and share the gospel. And when Paul and Peter came together and met, he, he corrected Peter on some of the thinking that was not in line with what Jesus had told Paul. But Paul also humbled himself and said, I know my place, you know your place. I'm called to go to the Gentiles and you're called to go to the Jews. I think about Paul and in uh, Acts chapter 14 when he went to the town of Lystra and there was a, a man that needed healing and Paul healed him and the people wanted to worship him as a god. Paul said, no, no. I'm here to tell you about the, the creator, the one true God. And he pointed to his Father in heaven. I think about some of the comments that Jesus made about humility. He said, when you go to a big fancy dinner party, you're going to want to sit up at the head close to the, the uh, host of the party. He said, but don't do that. Go to the farthest end of the table and sit. And let everybody else have the seats of honor. And then if there's an opening, you can move up after everybody gets there. I think about what he said when he came. He said, I've not come to be served. I came to serve. That's Jesus. He even humbled himself to Wash the feet of the disciples. In Matthew 18, 1, the question was asked, who is greatest in the 
kingdom. And Jesus said, I tell you what, unless you become like a little child and humble yourself, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's humility that God calls us to. We need to take an assessment of ourselves. Where am I at? Am I arrogant in the kingdom or am I humble? Am I seeking to do God's will? Don't think more highly. Think clearly about God's call on you. Then look at verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, each member belongs to all the others. So understand that we are part of something bigger than yourself. You know, we're all just parts of a big body of Christ. There's, there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. It's not about me, it's about we. If you're in your Bible, go ahead and turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and they had gotten a little arrogant and a, and a, a little overzealous in some areas of their thinking. And, and Paul's trying to explain to them about the spiritual gifts that God gives. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, he says, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now he goes on to talk about some of those parts. He says, if a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that doesn't mean you're not part of the body. He says, if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. He goes on and he says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And then he says in verse 18, but in fact... God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. All the parts are needed. And catch that in verse Verse 18, where he says, God has placed the parts. If God has placed you at Central Christian Church, he's got a part for you. He's got a place for you. He's got something for you to do. While I was down at the hotel there at the conference, I got up early a couple of mornings and went on a walk, you know, just to get some steps in and... and uh, get out before the crowds were out there. I usually got up and went about 6.30 in the morning. And I was walking one day, and I came to this escalator, and it was not working. I don't know if the escalator was broken or if it was just turned off because it was so early in the morning. But I climbed those steps. You know, an escalator can never be broken. It can just not be moving. You know, you can walk up the steps even if the escalator's not going. And as I was walking up to that, and I was kind of thinking about this sermon a little bit, I thought, you know, this escalator is functioning, but it's not functioning to its fullest capacity. It's making it hard on me. 
And the thought just kind of hit me when people in the church don't do what they're supposed to do, it makes it hard on everybody else. Don't be a broken elevator, escalator. Be an escalator that serves its purpose. What is your purpose? We belong to one another, Paul said. We're dependent on one another to function as this church. Neither should we get the big head and think that I'm so important that without me, that church can't function. Kyle Eidelman is a preacher at Southeast Christian Church, and in his book, Not a Fan, he talks about a church that he planted. And he was a new preacher, and he said, I worked so hard, I was working 70 hours a week, I worked as though everything depended on me, and my wife came to me one day and said, Kyle, you need to take a day off. Your family needs you. And he said, I can't. I've got so much to do and the church needs me. I can't take a day off. He said he got to where he was just wore out, but he was working. He was losing sleep. And he said, one night I had a dream and I woke up and I told my wife, I dreamed last night God was laughing at me. What does that mean? He said, I didn't figure it out for a long time. And about five years later, he was moving into a new house and he was pushing a desk. This is the last piece of furniture. And he's pushing a desk across the floor, and he could barely budge it. And his little four-year-old boy came up beside him and started helping him. He wasn't much help, but they were pushing and barely budging this desk. And he said, then all of a sudden, his little boy stepped back and put his hands on his hip and said, Dad, you're in my way. Kyle said he started laughing and then he realized why he dreamed God was laughing at him. Because he had tried, been trying to do everything his, on his own just like that little boy thought he was the one pushing the desk. We can get the big head and thinking nothing won't, won't work without me. We have to realize that as we do serve in God's kingdom, we're just assisting the one who can push the desk. Now look at verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So accept your role in the mission of the church. All Christians have a spiritual gift. Once again, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12... Verse 4 says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every, everyone, is in, God is at work. Now to each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What that means is, the Spirit gives each of us a spiritual gift that we can use in the church. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, that famous passage says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves is a gift of God. God gives you the gift of salvation. 
Verse 9 says, not by works. So we don't get saved because of the work we do so that no one can boast. But verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has something to put on your plate, something for you to do in His kingdom. We are, in other words, we are saved to serve. Now, I know you've heard that for years, and that sounds cliche, but it's true. And there are different gifts that the Spirit equips us with to do our part in the church. Here's some of the gifts mentioned in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Administration, discernment, encouragement, evangelism, faith, giving, helping, knowledge, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, shepherding, teaching, and wisdom. And when you take your spiritual gift and you add to that your personality and your availability and your talents and abilities and your maturity and your spiritual maturity, then you can figure out where you need to serve. So we all need to pray and ask God, where do you need me to serve? Where is the place in the church that you want to use me? Matt Mosher is our uh, connections minister, and one of his duties is, is uh, working with new people, new members in the church. And he has a thing called a spiritual gifts inventory that you can take, and that will help you discern. You answer some questions, and that will help you figure out where your spiritual gifts are. Robert Hicks was at a church in Hawaii. Now, it's a rough life, but somebody's got to do it. But he was there, and one, one time the, uh, the, the female Sunday school teachers came to him and said, we need help. We're, we're, we're struggling here because these young boys in this neighborhood that come to our church are so unruly, and we need help. What are we going to do? So he prayed about it and thought about it. Well, they were right next door to a Marine base, and many of the young Marines were coming to church. And so he called them all together one day and said, I need your help in my Sunday school department. And what I want you to do is, is I'm going to assign each one of you to a class, and you go into that class, get there a little early, and when the boys come in, you rough them up a little bit and wrestle with them and play with them a little bit. And then when it comes time for the lesson, I want you to get them all together, all around you, sit them on their lap and dare them to make a noise while the teacher teaches the lesson. Well, some of the teachers thought it bordered on child abuse, but it worked. The boys got roughed up a little bit, but when it came time for the lesson, they sat with their Marine buddy and they listened intently to the lesson. You know, God uses all kinds of people in all kinds of ways to make his kingdom work. And he has a place for you. And if you don't know what your place is yet, you can see me or you can see Matt Moser after the service. We are doing our Serve Central class again. We just did it back in the summer, and we will do that once again, I think, in November. And so if you'd like to attend that, we can help you figure out where you might serve at Central. It's part of our STEPS classes. But here's our connection today. As each member in the church serves humbly, 
the body functions more the way Christ designed it. The question I raised is, how should I understand my place in the church? I can't answer that for you. You have to answer that by seeking God. You and God will get together and decide that. But I can tell you what God says again in 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He's put you here for a reason. There's a man named Spencer Silver. He worked for 3M Company. And Spencer was working with all these glues and polymers and, and making stuff, and he invented this glue that didn't stick very well. But it stuck well enough to put two pieces of paper together, and, uh, and you could peel them apart, and it wouldn't leave residue on the one paper that you stuck it to. And they tried to figure out, and you know, the leaders at 3M said, we don't have any use for that, that's... That's crazy. That doesn't stick nothing. We want glues that stick stuff permanent. I guess super glue was all the go when he invented this. And you know how super glue is. You can't you, you glue your fingers together. You have to cut them apart with a razor blade. And so they set that glue up on the shelf. There was, a, there was another guy that was working there with Spencer. His name was Art Fry. And on Wednesday nights, Art Fry led the choir... And they practiced, and he would take his hymnal and put little pieces of paper in his hymnal to mark the hymns. Well, after Wednesday night was over, the papers were always laying on the floor, and Art had to go back through and find the songs and put the little pieces of paper back in there to get ready for Sunday. And he thought to himself, if I just had some kind of glue to glue those papers that wouldn't ruin the page, that'd be awesome. And he got together with Spencer and they developed a little piece of paper that would have glue on it that you could stick, but you could peel it off and it wouldn't mess up the other paper. They invented the post-it note. Now you think about something. That glue was useless until they put it to work for God. And when they put it to work for God, it became something that is used throughout the world in offices all over the world you will find post-it notes. When you figure out what God wants to do with you, it has a way of making you so much more valuable. See, they didn't realize what they had. Maybe you don't realize the gifts you have. But God has given you gifts, and He has called you to serve in His church. Now figure out what, it want, what God wants you to do and serve God humbly for your Lord. Let's pray. God, we do thank you today for your love for us. You've done so much for us. and Father, you just ask us to find something that we can do in your church where we can serve so that we can make it a better place, an escalator that actually works so that the body will be blessed and the body can function fully the way you would have it to function. So be with us, Father, as we go throughout our lives and help us to, to pray and to discern what it is you would have each of us do in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.